Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is May the 12th, 2014, and you're tuning to another episode of The Bright Side with Technisha. And what a tiresome day, I tell you. I, I have so much on my plate, and I also have a guest on my show that has so much on her plate. she got too many hats. First of all, let's welcome Rusty McDonald. She is a full-time single parent, a business owner, a goofball, lover of life, motivational speaker, radio talk show host, soon-to-be-published soon author, um, and last but not least, a life coach. That is too many hats up under one, I tell you. I, I just couldn't even find the time to probably cook dinner in between all that. Um, but Rusty, how, how are we doing today? I am loving this beautiful weather we're finally getting in New Hampshire. It's well overdue. Uh, It's about 75 degrees, which is my favorite temperature. I actually was able to dust off some of my tropical summer dresses because I'm I'm southern and I love my summer dresses and was able to pull those out this morning and I'm just feeling good. The birds are chirping and all is well with the world. Oh, yes. The the weather's feeling pretty good today. We're supposed to be getting showers showers in three more days and it posted right but so far the weather's been pretty good so yeah. how was mother now are you a mother as well i am i have an eight-year-old daughter how was your mother's day it was beautiful we got uh, lots of laughs lots of giggles lots of silly moments and she wrote a card that was just funny she's a funny kid i'm very blessed oh, thank you how was right? yours Mine was good. I had to work, though, and I said I'm going to talk to my boss today about that because I called him low down. I said, you got everybody else off for Mother's Day except me. Now, I had to be the only mother there. I couldn't even get a free dinner. God, they could at least gave me a free dinner. <laughs> oh. Right. <laughs> or a massage oh, or, you know, oh, somebody over to clean the house for you. <laughs> okay, everybody was looking at me like, why are you here? I said, I, I don't know. I thought maybe he would have had to say, okay, we're not going to have her working on Mother's Day. I mean, everybody was off rest to tell me. I'm like, really? You had to really do it. And no, it was going to be slow. No one, because, see, I work for Marriott, so no one wants to actually stay on the inside. You know everybody right. was taking their mom out. Right. Oh, oh no. way. Okay. Yeah. And, oh. I have someone else on the line, too, with me. Hi. How are you, caller? Bye. Going over your background, what is it that all, all this entails what? How did you even get into all this? Well, I was, um, as a child, I was very much the type of child who wanted to help everybody, and I felt very compassionate over a lot of the poverty that I witnessed, especially growing up in the South, and, and we were very, very poor. Uh, but I always wanted to help other people. I, I, I always thought that we would be fine eventually. Um, and as I grew and had my trials and tribulations, I was orphaned, uh, abused, um, terrible marriage, <laughs> abusive marriage, um, and I finally left. And throughout all of that, I, I have taken the time out the last almost four years to really discover and understand myself as an individual and what my needs are, what my wants are, who am I personally, not as a unit, 
Um, and I started writing my memoirs down. And so that's that's the book. The life coaching I've done for many, many years. I've coached all over the country, uh, actually internationally now. Uh, it started out just as business coaching, just helping my friends. Um, and then I, I grew into... I almost died after I had my daughter. Um, oh. Complications from gallbladder. And, and they... It took months. I was losing, uh, it was like 10 pounds a week. It was crazy. I was so sick. Um, and they discovered about 18 months later that I had celiac disease, which mm. is an autoimmune response to wheat, rye, and barley. And it's the amino acids in wheat, and rye, and barley that um, my body fights very aggressively. And wow. at that time... We didn't have the amount of money to pay for a nutritionist to understand what the, what does celiac mean. I mean, I was a, every Tuesday getting a warm tuna sandwich at Subway with jalapeno peppers, and that was my ritual. Now I can't do that. Can I even walk into Subway? Who knows? So as I Googled along, I found the research and the information available, and this is almost 10 years ago. It's so much better now was so confusing, and some people said you couldn't, and some people said you can. So I started researching it, and I opened up Celiac Roads Life Coaching, which was specific to individuals who had celiac disease, to to help guide them um, and prevent them from kind of (laughs) hiding away in their home because it's very scary to have that life change. And if if the information is confusing, you're not getting all of the tools you need to deal with the grieving process, you're going to hide, and a lot of people do. Um, and, and so over the years, I've taught all over the country, especially school systems, how to cope with children and parents that are going through this allergy. Um, when I divorced my ex-husband, I started writing my memoirs, as I said, and I broke out into just a generic meaning. Um, grieving is not just about food, it's about your life and how do you deal with that? How do you handle it? Um, and that's what um, that's what I do. I don't know if that that's clear. <laughs> I tell you, you do have to be careful what you eat these days. But I do have right. a call on. I do have a call on the line. Paula, how are you? Uh, doing fine, thank you. Oh, it's a blessing to have somebody on the line. I love it when people do call in. Um, welcome, welcome. <laughs> That's one thing about me. I sure all the love. If I could, I'll hug you too. I'm a hugging person. I love the hug. Share my love. <laughs> um, well, I was just listening to uh, your allergy uh, to wheat, rice, and all that. There is actually um, a lot of information out there currently tuned into paleo diet. And yes. um, unfortunately, all these allergies that are coming up, you know, being gluten intolerant, um, right. I think it's all because of the oh, the GMO factor that, you know, where we're doing so much processing to our food um, that our bodies are just not adapting quickly. Um, we, we can't adapt to it. Our systems are not designed to tolerate uh, all, all these modifications that is happening to our food. 
specifically the processing, the, the processed foods. So, um, you know, it, it seems that this whole gluten intolerant thing, allergies to wheat and so on, has just blown up. And, and uh, a lot of people were saying, like, well, you're just, you know, joining in in the fad of becoming a paleo, uh, paleo dieter. But in actual fact, it all comes down to so many modifications and, and um, destruction. I say. Well, and, and that's, that's, it. that's a very common um, theory. But one thing that I have to say in my due diligence, um, mm-hmm. and because I'm international, I've had archaeologists from other countries actually send me documentation and proven evidence that celiac disease as an autoimmune response Actually, the oldest body they found was in Italy in 1419, and she was an 18-year-old girl. 1419. So the interesting piece, and I do absolutely, unequivocally believe that the processing of our food and how our food is not as natural has a lot to do with the, the increase, the quick increase of this particular, I wouldn't even say phenomenon at this point because we can prove that, you know, <laughs> historically that this has been around but we also neglect the the understanding on a historical level breads were not something that poor people had often and usually you have bread on sunday sunday dinner it wasn't a common common household item now everything we put in our mouth has bread your breakfast you have toast snack, you usually have a granola bar or some granola, right? Lunch, yeah. you have croutons on your salad, maybe a sandwich, maybe croutons in your soup, pasta. So it's every single meal the average person consumes this toxin. Back in yeah. the old days, if it's every Sunday for dinner, you're not going to have as quick of a process as we do now. So granted, Granted, it's not good for you, period, and, and we can prove that from 1419. But it's even worse because we're consuming it at such high level. And that's mm-hmm. I love the paleo diet because it really does take away a lot of those levels. Um, but people don't think in those terms. No, they thing. don't. You know, I mean, they just yeah. put so much into this. It just blends so much into food now. It's just ridiculous, all these hormones and steroids and everything. It's just getting ridiculous. And the way these young girls develop, you can imagine, because of the food, the way, the way they grow food. I'm telling you, all of us going to have to go back to growing our own fruits and vegetables. We better start learning some farming skills, because that's the way it's going to have to be. They're just doing all this pesticide. And now, ladies, they have this documentary coming out called Fed Up. I think that's supposed to be coming out at the end of the month. Um, Katie Purek, she's going to be involved with it, too. They say by 2050, one-third of America is going to have diabetes because there's too many of them eating so much sugar. And that's why I try to watch what my kids watch on TV. They be like, Mama, I see this. No, ma'am. I'm not, I'm not trying to engage into these commercialized things. They're not trying to be healthy. They're making a profit. Yes, indeed. And the other um, factor that we have to bring in, back in the day, and we're only talking about 15, 20 years ago, high fructose corn syrup didn't even exist. And that is what they're using as a replacement for natural 
sugars. So again, that is a foreign entity that we are now entering into our bodies. Uh, places like Germany, France, Australia, New Zealand, uh, and I believe there are a couple of other countries, um, they have completely banned using high fructose corn syrup as a sweetener in their food products. Yep. And yet here, you see it everywhere. In every product that you pick up, if you look at it, it's got high fructose corn syrup. I'm even looking at loads of bread with high fructose corn syrup. And it's like, what? Why are they doing this? This is insane. No, no wonder we have uh, children that are uh, becoming obese and, and then developing diabetes. Right. Uh, I mean, what, what do we do about this? Well, and I think, I think there's three things that we really um, can do as a group. And one of my favorite things to talk about when I'm coaching, especially as a business coach, is I love it when I get to tell a company, you're fired. You're not serving me. I'm paying you to provide me a service, but you're doing such a bad job, you're fired. I just had to fire a company today, this morning. Um, they were completely and totally taking advantage of me. But that's the power of the consumer, and I think individuals don't have the tenacity or the strength or maybe the wherewithal to really make an impact in that regard. So in saying, referring back to the food, if we stop eating that food as a large group, they're going to have to stop manufacturing it. It's going to become too expensive because there's not enough demand, right? So we actually have more power than we think. Unfortunately, we don't educate our parents. We don't educate our children. And I'm not saying all people don't. I'm saying the majority or we wouldn't have this problem. So if we actually started teaching kindergartners how to garden and make that part of the curriculum, we'd have more kindergartners into eating vegetables. It's really that simple. We just don't. That's the problem. That's true. Yeah, indeed. Um, I was very fortunate enough uh, when I was attending school in my young age, um, that was part of our curriculum is, is maintaining a garden. So we used to grow all sorts of vegetables, fruits, and we had to maintain everything. It was fantastic. My daughter, I, uh, before I divorced and at my house, we had seven gardens and chickens. Um, I, like fresh, I like fresh chickens, and if the apocalypse and zombies were to pop out of the woods one day, at least I have protein, right? <laughs> um, but my daughter from... I used to stick her in her car seat as I was leading the gardens, right out at the garden. She's always, always known gardens, and she's always appreciated fresh fruits and vegetables. And what's fun about her is she's eight years old. We, don't, we do, you know, the fast food once a month for her. I can't eat it, but um, I don't believe in deprivation either, and she's still a kid. But her favorite place in the whole wide world to go and eat is a salad bar a gargantuan salad bar. She could do that all day long. And her friends think that she's the craziest thing. Why don't you eat chicken nuggets? Why don't you eat, you know, the kind of crappy TV dinner foods that they have? She's just, she knows better. She knows that it's not good for her body. She knows that um, 
it's not even real food because she actually makes food. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's a huge advantage for her in life. That is, and I'm happy to hear that. Doing that. Yeah, I would have to agree. That's a good thing. You got her on the right track already. Right. Man, parents, they do. They'll put a TV dinner in a, in a heartbeat. I don't mind cooking. A lot of my customers, they'll ask me, they say, well, how this place tastes or this food at this restaurant? I tell them I don't know. But you live in Atlanta. I don't know because I don't go out like that. I don't. I really don't. I stay at home. I'm a homebound person. I stay at home and, and cook. I have my husband to cook. Well, at least I know what's yeah. in my food. <laughs> and if you can't pronounce it, you don't put it in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even when you go out and try to eat healthy, it's still issues. And then I get customers who are gluten-free, so you, you try to work with them, and it's like, uh... Okay, let's just we we the probably gonna have to go with this salad or maybe try to do this trout, but we can't add all this butter on it, so it's up and down. That's very hard. It's, well, and what's even even more phenomenal? I'm I'm getting ready for a marathon next month, and uh, so I've been really yeah. watching the calories, which has actually backfired. I've gained more weight watching my calories than I did when I wasn't paying attention. It's very interesting how that works, but. Um, a Caesar salad at a local fast food chain, not fast food, not like McDonald's, but more of like an Uno's or an Applebee's type place, just a plain Caesar salad. Obviously no croutons, no chicken, no shrimp, just romaine lettuce and Caesar dressing. 650 calories. How the heck does that work? Do you tell me? (laughs) Yeah. So that's when I go back to the, you're fired. <laughs> you're not serving me. What do you put wow. in the Caesar dressing that is so calorically amazing? What is it? Uh, Caesar dressing is really a simple simple thing, a little anchovy paste, a little Parmesan, a little bit of oil, right? They're adding something else. I don't know what it is. But if, if the average person is supposed to only consume 2,000 calories, and they just have, say, three three Caesar salads a day. That's so much. That's so much. So, again, it's back to being the consumer. It's back to taking control over your actions as an individual and firing those people who are not serving you. And if we get the majority of people to do that, we would be such a healthier world. Right. Me too. Everybody got to be on the same boat, but we know that's hard. Rest here. Everybody wants they got to have that burger every day and them good old fries. And I tell people, there's nothing wrong with doing it, but you do it in moderation. If you're going to do a burger, don't eat the whole thing. Don't be greedy now. Don't, don't, don't splurge too <laughs> don't be bad. Greedy. Yeah, because we all know we, sometimes we do. We have a taste for a burger. I'm, I'm going to admit it. I do. I be having a taste for a burger, but you don't, you don't go stupid with it and just eat the whole thing to yourself. And then you're looking around like, really? Yeah, I do that? No. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think shows like this actually uh, allow people to learn more, be better educated, and um, be aware. I think we're not aware. We're very much these creatures of habit that just walk along doing the same thing over and over and over again to the point where we're comfortably numb in our lives. And, you know, if somebody turns on this radio show and they hear the conversation, they might have some interest in making small dietary changes, like no corn syrup. Boy, that's in everything. The caller is totally right. I think it's even in shampoo. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Anything 
Boy, I tell you, it's just so much out here. And then, you know, one of my guests had told me one time that you be you could do all the right things and sometimes wondering why you can't lose weight because you still have toxins in your body. And she did mention that, your hair products. And I did not even think of that to even come up on the list. Well, and it was interesting for me as I was going through the understanding of celiac disease and what that really means. Um, there is wheat in shampoos. There's wheat in lotions. There, and I'm sitting here going, oh, my God. We literally are head to toe, inside and out, wheat. No wonder people are getting so sick. And it's right. See, that's why I'm glad you're on here because, see, I never even heard of celiac disease. See, that was my first time. We don't really focus on certain things like that. The main disease that come up, we talk about heart disease, uh, breast cancer is the number one, um, leukemia, but we don't get into the other things that are harmful to our body too. So um, by you being a motivational speaker, do you go to different states or schools or anywhere and spread the word on this to let people be aware of this breast um, in regards to celiac disease or just motivational, I have a whole whole teaching now, which is pretty amazing, and how this has evolved. Um, I work internationally. I volunteered for the Celiac Sprue Association. I assist with marketing and advertising, trying to gain more donations so that we can actually spread the word and educational mm-hmm. materials and trainings overseas because, believe it or not, um, there was a test done a, a few years ago in India because everybody thought of this was just a European disease that only, you know, white Europeans would get this disease. And so there have been these sporadic goosey tests done all over the world in different countries. And I have clients in Africa. I have clients in Japan and now India because, believe it or not, this is a disease that anyone can get. It's not just specific to one region like it was suspected a long time ago. Um, so volunteer-wise, trying to definitely fundraise for Celiac Sprue Association so that we can get more education overseas because there's still that mythology that this is a particular Irish or European uh, descendant issue. Because I know, um, what's her name, Jennifer S. Esposito, if I'm saying it correctly, she plays on um, I think she plays on the show Blue Bloods or something like that. And she talks about it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I fired my cable company. They were too expensive for giving me nothing. <laughs> so I haven't actually watched any TV shows in many many years. What is it called? Blue Bloods? Huh. We do. We need to start getting more into this because we don't. We do not discuss this. Um, are there any symptoms that you that you get to know that you have this or you just need to go to a doctor and specifically ask for a test on this or something? Um, it's such a generic. It could be so many other things. I highly recommend uh, a biopsy. They're quick. They're yes. painless. It's about 40 minutes total, 20 minutes in, um, you know, 10 minutes prep, 20 minutes out, 10 minutes waking up, and out the door you go. The blood tests are about 80% accurate. Um, I did have a blood test. It came back negative. I was still getting increasingly ill. 
the biopsy hands down, you know, said that's it, and uh, that's more than 98% accurate. So as uncomfortable as it sounds, accuracy is better. Um, usually stomach pains, uh, major diarrhea. I had one client who actually her only symptom was severe anemia. So what happens between your stomach and your small intestine, that's where you mm-hmm. absorb all your vitamins, your minerals, your nutrients, and when it's on the attack and it's all inflamed because you're actually putting things in there that it doesn't like, you're not absorbing anything. So you're either wow. malabsorbing or you're malnourished. In my case, I was doing both. Um, I started out malabsorbing and then I became malnourished. Um, and that's been extreme. Again, I had a, a woman who just had severe anemia and that was her only symptom. So there's two ways to skin a cat. I always say, uh, blood tests, they're wonderful if you get a full vitamin panel. So it's wow. really, really incredibly low on Bs and Bs, boys, Davids. Um, that's usually a sign that you're having a lower uh, intestinal problem, a absorption problem. That's usually a sign that you have celiac disease. Um, and the sooner you catch it and the sooner you wrap your head around what you can and cannot do, I travel internationally. Um, so it's it's not an end-all. It's just doing things differently and being cautious. Okay. Did you ever go through any other symptoms? Was it like um, I, I read some people said that like they had skin problems and, and they even caused depression and things of that sort? I actually, it was hindsight in this particular situation, when they, when they diagnosed me with celiac disease, we were like, oh, my God, I've had it my whole life. I was misdiagnosed in 1984 with lactose intolerance. Oh, okay. very common. And um, I've had severe endometriosis. I had infertility problems, all kinds of uh, issues that now, looking through my medical records, it's like if they would have diagnosed me properly, in 1984, I wouldn't have had all of all of those issues. So, you know, I'm I'm a huge advocate of really educating people so that other people don't go through those issues. If that makes sense. It does. It makes perfect sense because you get to run around these days. Sometimes, like my other guest and I was saying, you can put your trust to the doctors, but sometimes you just have to do your own research because they there. They are just there. They are just sent here by God to just, they're the backup. That's all. That's what they are there for, just backup. Because they'll give you they'll give you all the BS sometimes you do not want to hear. Like, just lay it out on the table for me straight. Hand it down for me. I think, you know, and I think doctors, I think doctors are people, and I think that they can't know it all. There's a yeah. lot of information. There's a lot of symptoms. There's a lot of diseases. Doctors are very overworked for the most part, and I think some doctors are really, really good at what they do, and they're really meant to be doctors, and, whereas other doctors aren't. Um, right. And that <laughs> goes for every industry. Um, the intriguing part is you, again, back to what the caller pointed out very clearly, you again are the consumer. And I fired doctors. And my current doctor 
uh, laughed at me because I scheduled an interview. I wanted to interview her for me and my family. And she's like, I've been doing this for 30 years and nobody's ever interviewed me. And I said, well, that's a shame. <laughs> you know, you, you, need, you need to have the ability to self-advocate, the ability to fire those who are not serving you, and the ability to be strong enough to know exactly what it is that you want and not lay back anymore. Unfortunately, that's what we've done. We've just taken the easy road instead of really advocating. So when something terrific like this happens, you get less of a runaround if you're in partnership with your doctor versus in this client relationship. Does that make sense? It does. I'm following you. That's something I strongly advocate. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to end up taking a break, and we're going to come back for rest because I want to talk about this book that you have out, Rexy. I do. It seems so intriguing and interesting just listening and reading the topic. So we'll definitely do that, and we'll be right back. Don't take that down now. There's only one station that will keep you happy, Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. What's up with your face? I'm having a stroke. That's not normal. Is something wrong? I'm having a stroke. Are you having an allergic reaction? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. Or S, speech difficulty. Then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. All right, we're back on the bright side with Technicia, and I'm here with Rusty McDonald. She has so many hats, motivation to speak. There are authors. She does it. She does it all, um, and I, I commend her for her hard work and being a mother. A single mother on top of that, so she's a bad mama jamma. <laughs> so we, Thank you. We now talk about celiac, which a lot of people do not focus on, but also I told you that she's an author, so. I really would love to get into this book, Having Tea with My Skeleton. What, what, what is that all about? I love the title. Having Tea with My Skeletons. As uh, as you go through life, you, for the most part, especially here in the U.S., you hear the term skeletons in my closet. Right. And we like to put those skeletons in there, and we like to put the shoe boxes over them and the winter coats and, you know, and just kind of really avoid them. And that's one of the parts of our human existence that makes us such a walking hypocrisy. And, and I love people. I love humans. And, and it's not anything more than what, we're, what we are, which is we're here to experience life and we're here to experience our lessons. 
we're really, really good about pretending that things don't happen, <laughs> which is what Samson referred to. I mean, it's the dark, deep secrets that we all have that we want to avoid and not deal with. In translation, uh, that can transfer into alcoholism, drug addiction, sex addiction, uh, abuses of all, all sorts, names and shapes. And it's because the skeletons, they're, they're trying to push the shoebox off so that they can jump out of your closet. Those nightmares are still there. And wow. when I divorced my ex-husband, I realized that my uh, relationship with him was the same relationship I had with my birth mother. Um, just a very abusive, passive-aggressive. I was allowing codependency behaviors and not taking care of me. And uh, so I started writing, pulling my skeletons out one by one, and it's one of the scariest, most daunting things that a person can do. Um, it's the best thing that I ever did in my life. I'm extremely proud of myself. Four years ago, I would not have said that. Why? Um, but reliving rape, reliving verbal, emotional, mental, and physical abuse to the point where felt it again. You know, I just it was like flashbacks, the memories, even the ones that I forgot that I forgot about. Because <laughs> we do forget that we have memories, uh, and we do that purposefully. Um, and it really, it really changed my life. It changed my life completely. Uh, I ended relationships that were draining to me. I ended relationships that were not reciprocal. I, I began to study harder and study more. My self-care is of utmost priority where it never was. Um, really took my meditation seriously. Meditate twice a day. And when I don't, I feel it. And I haven't in the last few days. So I'm really feeling, I'm really feeling it. Um, and it's changed my daughter because now she sees, you know, the trials and tribulations we're going through, and she sees her mom, her, you know, this woman figure, which is your parents are really your priority figures, I think. They're your most influential figures, and she's able to see that you move on and, and you do what you got to do to be strong and, and you make things happen. And I remember when somebody gave me a puppy um, off of Facebook right before Thanksgiving because I talk on Facebook about my daughter and what our trials and tribulations and so forth. And uh, she, my daughter, I surprised her with a dog and my daughter looked at me, and she just started crying. And she goes, Mom, there's not been anything that you've ever promised me that you haven't delivered on. Nothing. Wow. And that, to me, just it ripped my heart out. I was like, oh, my God. You know, because I work so hard um, to be the best mom that I can be. And it's paying off, so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I, that, that's the bright young lady that you raised, and she know, she knows, she knows what you're going through. The children be knowing while that's actually knowing, and I like that you brought up that fact that we are supposed to be their role model. That's what my pastor told us in church. We are the role models. You shouldn't let right. President Obama be that role model. 
the rappers and the singers shouldn't be the role models. You are the first person that they see, and we are the example that they need to know. I'm a bad example, but if you can, I always try to do uh, provide good examples for my dog. Show them this the way a, a man should treat you later on. Or this is how you should act right. as a lady. No, exactly. she, she, oh, you have done so much. That young lady knows. Well, and the great part about it is I, I'm really an advocate for community. I'm really an advocate for um, participation in sports and things like that. Because as a child, this is where you learn how to develop relationships. And as a child, I wasn't given that opportunity, ever. I was uh, living in a very fear-based, reclusive um, world that every, every conversation and every event was fear-based. You know, my birth mother was very clear that men are going to use you and rape you and leave you, get you pregnant and leave you. Uh, and you're Southern, so you know. You know that whole Bible Belt thing. You don't even look at a boy. If, if a boy touches you, you're going to be pregnant, so don't even let him touch you. Right. <laughs> so it was very fear-based, and I wasn't allowed to go out and do anything at all. And my my uh, goal with my daughter was to be completely opposite. And she gets to hang out with rabbis. She gets to hang out with monks. She gets to hang out with priests from different uh, spiritual it's what to you and I, because I know my mother was the same way. You can't go yeah. outside. Then when you go outside, she's peeking out the curtain, looking at you through the window. I'm like, seriously, I'm, I'm right here on the porch. Right. I haven't even left. No, that's... <laughs> I'm not taking care of no children. You better not end up pregnant. So I didn't keep a boyfriend. Why sure I do? Every time I had one, they left. Your mama too strict. Like, well, yeah, things do happen. Yeah, she is. <laughs> And now I be, I'm kind of like almost that way, and I think she sees it, and she be like, I don't know why you so hard. Well, um, let's, can we regret back down memory lane? Maybe it came from you. And I don't want right. to be that way. I, I don't want to be forced. I want them to know everything. Because, see, my mother kept me. She kept me protected from the world. So when I got there, I didn't know what, like, uh, weed or uh, drugs were, when people said certain things for drugs, dime bag, I was like, what? What you talking about? Are you talking about 10 cents? They was like, no. I was I was very clueless. She kept me sheltered. And I don't want to keep them sheltered, but I do want to keep them protected because the way the, the way of the world is now. Every time I turn on TV, Amber alerts. But I, I want them to know things when they get out well, there. I think there's a way of knowing things versus a way of making children paranoid or scared or terrified. I think, you know, educating your children and having them involved in the community and having the understanding that, and one of the things my daughter used to get annoyed with is that I know everybody in the community. Everybody knows me. So if you get out of line, I'm going to find out. That's the way it works. Because that reminds me, my mother said that's how they grew up, too. Everybody in the neighborhood knew one another, and your teacher was going to get Everybody in the neighborhood was going to get you. When you got home, you had another brother wolf to come into. And that's, I think, <laughs> I remember those days. I think, oh, excuse me. I think that's how it needs to be today. We don't have any of the community involved anymore with our children. Nobody, well, again, nobody. I mean, 
we've done that to ourselves. We have failed ourselves tremendously. We are this walking, self-sabotaging, walking dichotomy of just frustration for me. Because instead of being part of the community and part of the what I love is kind of the village-based, you know, you respect your elders, you don't put them away in closets, you 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 deal with bad guys appropriately and as a community, we sue each other. You know, when I when I moved up here, I was very very southern. My accent lessened over the last twenty years, but um, everybody's honey. Right? I mean, yeah, honey. Good morning, sugar. honey. How you doing? Good morning, sugar. Good morning, honey. Well, the administrative yeah. assistant at the school that I was teaching at actually wanted to sue me for sexual harassment. Oh my god! Because I called her honey. Oh, so that, that's Right, good luck. But you know, but that's the level that we're playing at. So it's it's more important for people now to just live in their own little secluded world right. and not deal with the outside world because we've set so many consequences and, and some really dumb consequences. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I know I deal with them on my job. I had one guy to break it down to me because uh, I, I was cause I was calling everybody hundred dollars. Some people love that because I am from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am Southern. So the guy, when he got real rested, he broke it down. He was like, number one, you don't go around calling people honey darling. That's not professional. Two, and I mean, when he got through, I was like, okay. I said, well, excuse me, Sarah. I think I am a good server. I know I'm the best. Okay, so thank you. I mean, <laughs> I just had to say more. But it, it comes, and I and my coworker, she'll get on me too about it. So I do. Ha- I will call somebody sir or ma'am. But sometimes it's little sour, honey, darling, because I'm friendly. I am. I'm friendly, and that's the type of person I am. And it's hard to change that sometimes about me. And I know some people don't respect that. Some people do get offensive. So I try to be careful, but it's just natural. It's not being disrespectful. It's just endearment. Because I, I, I did. I had a customer to complain. It was like the service was good, but if you don't want to be called honey, darling, sugar, just don't go to that restaurant. And I was like, really? You made a complaint about that, and and, and it's sometimes it, it wears me out that some people are that way. But that's but I do try to respect that. It's it's just I have to respect that. I can't argue against it because if that's their wishes, then that's their wishes. I just I I think we have become less of an emotional community, touchy feely human. And, and more like what I call biobots, you know, autobots. We're more in tune to texting somebody rather than picking up the phone and having the conversation. We're more what? available to shake hands than we are to give hugs. I mean, even in the world of professionalism, there was a point where you could give somebody a hug, and that was okay. Now, even shaking hands is questionable as to intention. So we've just, we've gone from one extreme to the other, and we're going to go back to a different extreme because it's just our nature as as being humans. Um, But unfortunately, I think a lot of the generations, especially our children's generation, will end up missing out on a lot of the affection that we had as kids or didn't, um, or the affections that were role modeled for us, or the affections that we strived for. Our kids don't get to see that. I mean, we have so many mixed families and so many, again, I'm a single mom, 
but my daughter probably won't meet, if I were to date again, probably won't meet my boyfriend for a very long time um, because I don't know if he's going to last, you know, unless just if I, if I were to go that route, I'm not there yet, but she's not going to really see me with a man in an affectionate role. My ex-husband and I were not affectionate. It was very opposite of that. So she's never seen me with a man holding hands and hugging and kissing. She has no relation to that. So as when she becomes a woman, that's going to be a very awkward thing for her, if that makes sense. It, it does, because when she gets somebody, it's going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you actually <laughs> to me? Like, back on up now. I don't understand. I don't understand. Your hands moving too fast because you don't see mommy doing that. And you know what? I don't blame you, Rusty. And, and it's nothing wrong with you guys who are out here listening. It's just that, like I said, and Rusty said, times have changed so much that and I'm, I'm, I'm generation Y, so I was born in 1983, and really with our generation, things really have changed. Like, we're we're not as trustworthy. Like, years ago, you could go outside and play all day, and you couldn't come in. When my mother was growing up, you was not coming in the house until dinner was ready. Go on back outside now. Dinner is not yep. ready. But now times, my times, you'd be like, okay, where are you? I need to know your, your every whereabouts. I need to make sure. I mean, it's sad. It, it really is. It very is. And I don't blame you for not having a man um, showing that man just yet. Because I, Rusty, because you've got to make sure that he's going to be trustworthy. You, and you're doing right. You do not want to bring somebody into your life, and you're not going to be willing to be there for me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I'm not going to do that to my child. I'm not. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. So help be it. Because if he's not on that same level with you, Rusty, that bump that, you could go on and hit the road. Because like she said, she's a single mother, and she's doing it by herself. Deuces. And, I, and that's the okay. attitude I'll take. Lucy, you go on my business because you're doing fine by yourself. Either you're going to be on the A-team with her or you just move on. And I don't blame you. I, I will just I will keep waiting. She don't need all that. She don't need that. Right, right now, yeah, she doesn't need the drama. She doesn't need, you know, the, well, there are several people in our lives that have the revolving partner, male or female. And their children are witness to having this different person in their life often. And so right. Chloe sees that and, and she she's really cute. She just she's like, Mom, when we settle down finally, then I want to start interviewing men. <laughs> You're gonna interview the men. She goes, I'm going to interview them. They're not gonna be mean men. I'm not gonna have that for you. Okay. All right. Deal. <laughs> um but, you know, and, and again, it's just an awareness. I think we are more capable of having strengths than we give ourselves credit for. We're more capable of enabling or disabling things that serve you positively or negatively. Right. And one of the things that I love about what I do is that I get to re-spark or introduce that concept to other people all over the world. And it's just such a blessing. So I think all of the lessons that I've gone through and all of the skeletons in my closet that I've had to hang out with, not had to, I chose to, uh, and some of them I did put back for another book maybe later down the road. But um, throughout that whole journey, I needed that. 
I needed that so that I could support the millions of people that listen to my radio show and, and have already started to buy the book. and It's not even finished yet. Um, so everything in its place, everything in its due time, and there's always a reason. It's time and a place for everything. It is. So about your radio show, what the time in day does your show air? Yes. Uh, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I have been invited to leave Blog Talk Radio to go to another station. Um, and it's oh. a little bit more lucrative than Blog Talk. So I, I might be switching stations, but all that information will be on my blog, in my newsletter, oh. on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on my webpage when the transition occurs. Oh, um, congratulations for your transition. I'm so happy for you. That's, that's the step I want to take it to where I can go to another station where it be broadcast and it won't just be on the Internet because a lot of times I tell people, oh, I do my radio show. They're like, oh, okay, what station? Um, Internet. <laughs> I'll be kind of quiet. Internet, I'm sorry. <laughs> on Internet. Actually, the Internet has been beautiful because you can – most yeah. people have – computers or smartphones so they can download the podcasts after. That's not a big deal. But what it's enabled me to do is to have an incredulous reach across right. the world. It's just amazing. Um, I have a priest in Chile and people in Japan and people in Australia. There's a few people in Papua New Guinea. I'm like, wow, oh, it's just it's amazing and it's humbling because you really don't know the reach. Um, and it's exciting, too, because I, I started this last January with three people listening. Now it's over 200,000 people worldwide. It's so Ooh. humbling. It's amazing. And I'm grateful. Um, you should. So, you deserve it. You know, it yeah, thanks. I think, I think it's just it was, it's my calling. It's my, what I'm meant to do. I tell you, God works in so many mysterious ways. We don't sometimes know our purpose down here. We know that we're in these vessels, but we don't know what our true purpose actually is, and you found yours. And now it's time to head for that bright light. You all moved on, you transition. I'm, I'm proud of you, Ressie. I, I am. I am proud Thank of you. You are, a, you are a great role model for the rest of us Internet radio hosts out here, and I hope to, I hope to be successful right along behind you. I do. You absolutely will be. Keep doing what you're doing. You got yes, a one in the Yeah, I, I love doing it. I just take baby steps. I I don't know what guy got for me on the other end of the road, but I just keep on taking baby steps and try to listen to him and follow his direction. Yes, ma'am. Well, Rusty, you said is your you said your book is not out just yet, or is it out? We actually went through, uh, we went on a pre-launch this week. Um, I'm on my last last round of edits, and because of the, the topic of the book, and I'm in the process of moving and packing the house and, and softball coach and all of these crazy things, it's taking me a little longer than I expected, but um, July is the launch, launch month, uh, and it's on pre-sale now. And you can find more information about the book on my website, at uh, Rusty, R-U-S-T-I-E, MacDonald, M-A-C, capital D, O-N-A-L-D, dot com. 
Well, are there any other great news that you haven't shared with us that's coming up in life this year? Um, gosh, there's just, you know, I'm in this terrifically delicious transitional period where um, I find out in about a month if we're allowed to relocate to Florida, to our home in Florida, um, and to be with my family. And uh, so that's very exciting. I'm really hoping that um, that goes through because it's, it's, all of my friends are moving down there. <laughs> my friends Why? are family, like 38 families. I'm going, oh, Lord, please don't leave me buying myself up here. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that, too, is a transition. So we're kind of in this limbo. We've been in limbo for about three years through this legal process uh, for relocation, which is going to be my other book that's coming out next year, um, the story of how difficult it is to relocate nowadays. And, yeah. uh the the intriguing part of of just life. I, I I'm excited about the book. I'm excited about the radio show. It's really it's really successful. Um, and somebody wants me to do a TV show that simulates the radio show, so I'm considering that. But there's a lot of things, a lot of balls. No, I, this is exciting. I mean, this is motivation for all of us out here. This is. I mean, you're not doing nothing negative. You're not on Facebook doing anything bad. I mean, this is this is the real deal. Now, this is what, Rusty, can you give people maybe like in your opinion before we get off the air, what are some mistakes people make probably personally when they do social media? Um, I think that airing your bad laundry is a large mistake. I think that you can air it in a way that's professional and appropriate and um, community-serving because people need to know that you're human and you go through things. But I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to be dirty or nasty. I oh don't. yes. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with the whole. Um, I, I've tried to online date and I've seen more parts, body parts, than I care to. I didn't want to be an ER doctor. I'm not. So keep your pictures to yourself. I think that's really disrespectful. I'll be asking myself, am I looking at Facebook or a flick? I don't know which one it is. It looks, <laughs> looks like Facebook yeah. or turned into a porn site. And, and right. Russ, it's amazing how do that. I just had put that, I put that up there like a month ago about a young lady because one of my friends liked the picture, and I was, I'm always curious, like, what picture did you like? So I called, and I was like, oh, my God. So I posted up. I said, people need to be careful what they post on their profile pic because years later down the road, you never know. What job might see that? Oh, man, one girl just went all out the blue. She took it and just ran with, oh, you jealous, you mad because your body not looking like this. And I said, hold on, first of all, I'm 31 years of age. You just got out of high school, so you still got similar behind you on your breath. So um, anyhow, nobody has to be jealous, but you got to be pretty stupid if you're not getting paid as a model. And, and, and advertising like that. They put your body parts up there. So when you go get a job, I'm sure your boss will be glad to just hire you with the bread all out. Yeah, sure. Well, and, and, I, and to back it up a little bit, I, I would say that it's your body is sexy, you're beautiful, and to love sure. it and own it and nourish it and cherish it. I'm a sexy woman. I know that. I love it. And I, I dress the way I choose to dress. 
But I'm referring to more of the the raunchy, trashy kind of stuff. It's just, I don't need to see it. Exactly. Uh, It's so, you're right, it's just too many sites. Yeah, because I'm always digging in people, personal bits, people, groups, they love. It's just so many sites. And the comments, it's amazing. And and I do agree with some of the women. It's amazing how these men, they just comment on that. You can get, they get more responses when a woman is showing half of her body. But go put on a business too. I bet you won't comment on that one. And and uh, and she'll still look good. I've seen some women who look good in business too. But I bet you she won't get as many comments as the woman who got half her tail all out. No, she won't. That's too, it's too well, it's just a certain amount of it's a certain amount of respect. Like I am a huge Marilyn Monroe fan, and I I am actually doing a whole uh, setting for my book in regards to body image, very simulating Marilyn Monroe's sheet picture having breakfast in bed naked but covered with a sheet. That's sexy. That's that sexy. That's confident. Not showing your hoo-hahs and your woo-wahs. That's not my thing. Language and being respectful, I think, are the, the, the two major needs in social media because, again, you're doing, you don't know the depth or the reach. And when individuals choose to be a little bit more Inappropriate, and I know I'm an old lady. Um, uh, I think no, you're, you're no, attracting. You're attracting bad people. Yeah. Exactly, and then when you get a stalker at your door, don't be looking all crazy. Why he at my door? Because I guess because he saw your picture, I guess he liked it very much. Okay. You're gonna be at my door, stalking me. Now, if we look oh. at We'll have to have another show because I know we're running out of time, but if you look at forensic science and you, and you study the amount of murders and uh, kills, and predatory kills, and you study that back-to-back with the increase or influx of racy uh, pictures on the Internet, they're going side-by-side. Side. It's really interesting how we're feeding that monster. But that's right. a we feeding that devil, but Rust, I just want to say thank you so much for today with us and, and giving us information on the celiac and even getting into what we just was talking about, respecting yourself, ladies, and understanding yourself. So I, I really appreciate you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a great show. Well, you you are so welcome, and you and your family, you have a blessed one, and happy, happy belated Mother's Day to you, too. Thank you, and happy belated to you, my dear. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed the show today. I appreciate you for calling in, caller, and I thank you for chatting with me. It means so much to me. Don't think I don't think that what you're doing is not being noticed. I really appreciate you, and I hope you stay tuned with me tomorrow at noon. God bless you, and I hope everybody has a prosperous day today. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.